on this. Good evening, Olia. Today we are gathering to understand a little bit more about, you know, the energies we are dealing with. Yes, uh, of course. It's my pleasure. Good evening. <laughs> well, we just had a eclipse, lunar eclipse in Taurus, and we are gonna have a eclipse, solar eclipse in Scorpio, uh, and the period of eclipses is when our life has been raised to next level if we allow it of course we may not want to go to next level then we may go one step down you know it's like unavoidable you have to choose now and um for example if you don't want to break relationships and it's you are supposed to go to next level but your partner doesn't want to go then you're gonna go with your partner one level down you know so it's like whatever separation happens uh, we shouldn't regret at the time of eclipses um, <clears throat> because we are going to next level and the other person may not be ready so in scorpio uh, the eclipse is going to happen on 4th of december and that's uh, some time away but we already feel this energy a uh, couple of weeks in advance uh, and we still feel the energy of the previous eclipse in Taurus for another few months or even half a year sometimes. Um, and that's um, the energy where moon was exalted. So it's a very auspicious one. And in Scorpio, the moon is going to be debilitated. So that's less, less auspicious. It, actually, moon is going to be debilitated. It means in the weakest position moon is our consciousness mercury is joined this eclipse in scorpio with debilitated moon well in vedic astrology that's a combination for insanity when both moon and mercury are afflicted and in a weak position because mercury is the power of discernment and moon is our mind when both of them are in bad shape we can have um, really insane things going on insane stories twisted stories like doesn't have to be insane literally like you get a disease but insanity is when we cannot learn right when we keep doing the same thing that's with mercury it's ability to learn and and we uh, don't learn anything from it if something goes wrong we repeat exactly the same many 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 times so Mercury rules our ability, capacity to learn and cognition. I happen to, to have to deal with one person who had very afflicted Mercury, Mercury like the worst case scenario, Mercury. Uh, his moon was good. So he produced an impression of really good person, normal person, but I realized we keep going through the same patterns I have learned all kinds of things. I have tried to change my approach in all possible ways, but he just kept doing the same thing. <laughs> and it was just afflicted Mercury, you know? And uh, that also like twists the story in our mind that we tell ourselves a story that's not truthful and we don't see that it's not truthful. It doesn't coincide with our behavior what we say and what we do, it may be totally different, but we don't see it. 
If ascendant lord is strong, if the ruling planet of the person is strong, then they will be aware of it, but they will not be doing it. Uh, if the ascendant lord is afflicted, the person will not be aware of it. And that's when we can see the danger of mental uh, illness or um, like inability to learn from experience, which is that, you know, if we are not able to learn from our experience, I see it as kind of a curse because then we are here for no reason, right? We don't learn anything. We keep repeating the same, you know, it's like handicap of the mind. And um, like right now, already uh, this couple of days when Mercury is in Scorpio, it's going to be a few more weeks. I don't know, it, don't know exact dates, but I'm already noticing how the, um, like the darker forces, which Scorpio is about, unless there is a sun who illuminates them and then we can see them. But the darker forces is twisting the story because Mercury is the story, the story in our head, the story we tell ourselves or others. So the story is not to be trusted. It's not correct. We may think it's a good story, but it's actually not. Or uh, the story can get distorted. Um, and to me also insanity is when we cannot trust anything. You know, that's the scary thing when we cannot trust ourselves, we cannot trust what we're hearing, what we're seeing, then we don't know what to trust and it's a remedy for insanity. That's why we need to trust ourselves. It's very important to, to, um, to keep the sanity, you know? And like, I noticed, uh, yeah, like some of my events, like when I was, uh, thinking and uh, writing one thing and then for other reasons doing totally opposite than what I shared with people, how the thoughts were sent into my mind kind of distorted thoughts, not from coming from inside of me, but coming from external collective, maybe energies or forces that are flying around in collective field, how it got distorted, made me doubt a lot. What am I saying? What am I following? And uh, that may, I may not have integrity. If I say one thing, do the other thing, you know? And it's really terrible when I'm aware of what's going on, how to deal with that. It requires very sharp discernment, very uh, good knowing of yourself, who you are, your intuition, your own self, what you can trust. And, you know, normally when your Mercury is well-placed, which I do have and you have, most of the life it goes effortless for us to have a good discernment, to recognize what story is correct. Maybe it takes a while, but we recognize it in the end. But when Mercury in the sky is, is in such a position of, manipulation, our, our discernment gets manipulated a lot, which doesn't mean it happens every time. It just means there is more probability now that it's gonna happen. Yeah, so, um, and uh, 
how much effort, extra effort it costs now to see what's truthful, what's not, the norm, you know? And this is like, we can see from this example, how some people who live with afflicted Norkori or weak Norkori, how much effort they have to do all their lives to find discernment. While for people who have good Norkori, it goes pretty much on its own. You know, like, I don't feel like I have to do tremendous amount of effort because it's kind of fun and I'm curious and it goes automatically, inspiring way, you know? It doesn't like, uh, doesn't feel like hard work. But also Mercury is now with Keto and Keto interrupts Mercury. It's a uh, affliction. And the ruler of Scorpio Mars is also not in the best position. So I, uh, unfortunately have to predict for the second eclipse to do your best to keep sanity well how how did the first eclipse um, kind of affected us you know the eclipse in taurus taurus is about our resources it's about stability and it's about um organs of senses like experiencing life like tasting the drink uh looking at the color and appreciating it you know like um touching like my cat jumps on my back and and massages in my shoulders and i feel like oh it feels so nice you know <laughs> so that's taurus like organs of senses sensations that are physical which um mm. Uh, Taurus is the cow eating grass on the field and that is a very good example of uh, for me what Taurus energy is about the, that cow is stable it's content yeah it's not unhappy about anything it's just content it's uh, just chewing so Taurus is uh, the second sign which rules the uh, also the second house the same meaning it's about eating what we eat uh, it's about speaking because that's what the second house means speech food we eat our surrounding and the green grass where the cow is standing it's a uh, like it's the earth sign. So it's very much about the earth, physical reality here on earth. Like we need resources to survive here, even to help our spiritual journey, to help our development. You know, we need to feed ourselves in the right way so we can evolve uh, our uh, spiritual talents uh, in a pure way. We need pure food. like. All of these things is ruled by Taurus. And the uh, eclipse happening there uh, with a very strong exalted moon means the mind is at its highest stability and resourcefulness and calmness, contentment. Like right now we are lucky. 
but eclipse in Scorpio is coming and it's opposite, instability. And uh, Scorpio is all about things we cannot control and it's scary. And because we want to have some kind of control and um, K2 is in Scorpio and that creates eclipse, which is not the worst thing because K2 is actually exalted there. So it's not gonna be very bad, <laughs> not as bad as it could be, but <laughs> Rahu would be in Scorpio, that would be the opposite. It would be debilitation for Rahu too, but now we have exaltation for K2. So that's very interesting because I've been testing for a back flower that is like a repeat of the same mistake. And that has to do with the, the first energy that you were mentioning. Mm -hmm. And and then when you mention it, I was thinking, oh, then the back flower actually represent more of the what we are dealing with like collective energy that than like a very micro pattern so it was like okay you need that support with that kind of energy we are we are dealing with and i've also been kind of decluttering some twisted energies from the past right kind of just uh, just not leaving them have that much grip in the present right so that's kind of could be also linked to to this energy why is now the moment to to do such thing right yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and of course scorpio is focused on the dark and um uh, that can like one of my teachers said that instead of focusing like how to bring the light we're gonna focus <laughs> how to how to kill the dark, you know? <laughs> it's like different focus, which doesn't mean we shouldn't have it. Sometimes we need both. It's like planets move, energies change. And if we make sure that we evolve on into the best capacity, we're always gonna make the best of every energy. It's gonna work out for the best of our development, you know? And if you have a strong ascendant Lord, it's gonna help you to always have everything to uh, to your advantage for no matter what you experience you know and i am sometimes very sad for people who don't have a strong ascendant lord and how they may experience terrible things and they don't turn out to their advantage and that's mm. not such a lucky thing you know like whenever it turns to your advantage you are okay you know you don't collect bitterness you you learn from it and you feel okay well it sucks but i learned from it but what if you don't learn from it anything and you uh, your life gets destroyed more and more and nothing positive comes into place yeah maybe that's um what Scorpio is also about, that fear that it may be all negative, you know? What if it's not going to become positive in the end? <laughs> yeah. Mm, very interesting. 
And uh, is there is there anything else about the, the energies maybe of December that comes in mind uh, that we need to pay attention maybe in our you know relationships maybe in our communication or in our personal lives? Well, eclipse is going to happen. Scorpio is going to color the whole December. What is a positive? thing is that Jupiter has entered Aquarius, the sign of Aquarius. When Jupiter was in Capricorn, he was starved. It's like the worst position for Jupiter, but Saturn was there too, and he was strong. Thanks to the strength of Saturn, we were aware of the bad values or the lack of divine energy. When Saturn wouldn't be there, we wouldn't even be aware of our bad values or other people's bad values, moral values. But when Saturn is there, at least we are aware of the weakness of Jupiter. And when we're aware, I often uh, remind myself, as long as you are aware, there is no problem. You know, it can be anything. But if you are aware, you don't have a problem. You are just observing and you are learning and you are adjusting and yeah but if you are unaware then you have a problem not you but all of us <laughs> and uh <laughs> so uh, when jupiter was starved and debilitated we were aware of a lot of uh, bad values possibly uh, Jupiter is a higher knowledge, so we were aware of maybe lack of that, lack of higher knowledge, lack of higher pure teachings, maybe more uh, materialistic uh, values rather than spiritual values, you know, um, because Jupiter in Capricorn is very materialistic. The divine grace, divine energy, divine guidance, higher teachings, purity of teaching don't, don't uh, reach us. And also Jupiter is the planet that rules our brain. And as I noticed, and it's what I, my own observation and how um, quickly our prayer gets answered. And when Jupiter was debilitated and starved, I felt like praying didn't do anything for me. Like, instead of saying the prayer, let's say maximum 12 times, before it would always work and I would get the help from God. Now I would say the prayer, you know, many, many, many times, many, many, many days and nothing was happening. So it's really frustrating. You feel like you are on your own. You are without God, you know? So now Jupiter moved into Aquarius. He's no longer starved, no longer debilitated. Aquarius is a revolutionary sign of, uh, you know, creating revolution in society. Uh, it's about the masses of people and the teacher is the Jupiter, the guru. The guru meaning the energy that is constantly teaching us uh, the God or that power, higher power of God. So now it's uh, 
gonna be among the masses of people, which I also interpret as higher teachings need to move into the space of internet, where there are mostly a lot of dark teachings, incorrect teachings, and now Jupiter decided in Aquarius, like it's also technology Aquarius, let's bring God into that realm, you know? Because uh, like in yoga teachings, consciousness is moving out. Like this is me, like who I truly am, the self, the pure consciousness, then it moves out into deep sleep state, then dreaming state, and then waking state. And some of uh, spiritual teachers I was studying with, they said waking state doesn't cover in those teachings the internet, you know? So it seems like consciousness is now moving even more out to other layer of virtual reality. And um, that's probably where Jupiter is now gonna teach. <laughs> and he aspects now the sign of Gemini, which is your where your ascendant where your ascendant is, which is good. Jupiter looks at your ascendant is a divine blessing and protection. He aspects uh, well. He's in my ascendant, Aquarius too. Uh, he looks at the sign of Leo and at the sign of Libra. And Libra. relationships with people so the coming year or so i don't know how long jupiter is going to be there but he stays in one sign for more than a year he's already been in aquarius then he moved back in capricorn now he returned back in aquarius so he already used some of the time so less than a year or just about that our relationships with people should should be blessed by Jupiter. So uh, in Vedic astrology, first we look at these planets that stay in one sign for a really long time, like Saturn and Jupiter and eclipses. They have very strong energetical influence. Um, they color the next few months with their energy. And Jupiter moving in Aquarius is very important. Then Saturn is still in Capricorn. So we are building very good, strong structure now, uh, which we should keep doing. And um, the rest of the planets are less important. Why? Because they go to next sign within a month or 45 days. And it just changes quickly, you know? And like one of my teachers said in his video, when um, a guest comes into your house, stays for half an hour and leaves, it's easy to bear. But if the guest comes and stays for two and a half years, you know, you're gonna be <laughs> confronted with all kinds of issues. <laughs> the same with Saturn and Jupiter, because they stay so long in that sign, they confront us with all kinds of issues. Very interesting. 
that's also why maybe we need like a strong structure of self-care and self-routine for the moment and it's going to help us and and this is actually in the smallest detail like um you know going out for a walk in nature it's always a good sign if we can put that in our days right so just doing our practice of yoga you know doing having space maybe for relaxation things so all of this is going to help us actually tremendously and we we might underestimate how much it helps us to kind of do more with one day with 24 hours exactly exactly what i was thinking today that i wanted to go for a walk and that it's something i want to build into my new structure even if the weather really bad but i didn't go for a walk today but yeah that's uh, the structure i want to build and of course yoga and relaxations is a very good structure uh, to start building and self-care the nutrition nourishment that is pure uh, yeah that's uh, the capricorn is a sign that pushes us down into the stillness uh, and uh, it's a good sign when saturn is in capricorn is very powerful and capricorn's power is to go deep into the stillness which is uh, also how the pure consciousness is seen like we can call it stillness we can call it silence we can call it love we can call it pure joy we can call it god whatever we call it it's the same like the true reality so reaching that is what saturn why he's so strong in capricorn he helps us to build such structure that helps us to reach that you know the most important thing eternity eternity no? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and yesterday we we i experimented uh, yoga nidra with you can you say a few words about a few words about that practice and what 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 does it do for us how how deep can it bring us all of that yeah so yoga nidra it means nidra means sleep yoga nidra means the practice of deep sleep when we stay awake and alert it's actually an amazing practice when you want to um, make sure you can uh, have a vivid dreaming state even when you sleep deep uh, yoga nidra is a state i don't know if you noticed that when i was uh, giving my instructions with my voice of different 61 body parts 61 points it's a special technique when that makes you go into state of yoga nidra if you don't fall asleep uh, some people fall asleep and that's okay you know they can try again um, but it's like that state that suddenly you realize oh i am back but i wasn't gone 
and I was here, but it was deep sleep, state of consciousness, but you were alert and present and awake. You know, it's like, I remember like consciously right shoulder and you know, at those points they go systematically, not randomly. And suddenly I hear right big toe and I'm like, huh? No, it shouldn't be right big toe. But then, oh, I, where was I? You know, like this, like I have no memory that I was in deep sleep, but I know I was there because I was here all this time. You know, it's uh, like, to me, it's fascinating. Like I know I was not gone, but I missed something from physical reality. But I was here, I was with me all this time. And that's how we can neutralize all the colorings in unconscious mind. All those colorings that are stored in an unconscious part of the mind. We have unconscious mind that is the closest to the self-realization. Then we have conscious mind. Then we have breath and the body and the world. So if we retrieve ourselves from the world, we go into the body, that's already one step deeper to the self. Then we go to the breath, it's even more subtle. Then we go into conscious mind, even more subtle. And then unconscious mind. And unconscious mind is that we are not conscious. Of. And that rules our life, you know, like many spiritual teachers you would hear saying that the unconscious patterns is what truly rules your life. But we don't know about it. We think we rule our life but it's actually the unconscious mind. And then we have active unconscious mind. Then when we meditate, something, some memories may come up into our conscious mind. It's active, you know, it's easily accessible. And there is latent unconscious mind where all the experiences, all the colorings, all the memories, they are sleeping deep sleep so it's like the seeds that you put into the earth maybe in your past lives and they are sleeping which means they can wake up and start growing any moment and yoga nidra is the practice that helps us disarm those deep seeds that are going to be harmful because it shines the light of awareness so like, uh, like, you know, I will uh, draw like unconscious mind and we have uh, like all the seeds here. And now they are not colored and they're neutral, yeah? But it's after yoga nidra. And before yoga nidra, we have like all kinds of colors here, which I don't have right now on my table, but we have all kinds of patterns here and we don't know about it because it's covered by the veil. And here we have conscious mind and unconscious is hidden. There seems to be like a curtain, like a veil that hides that unconscious mind. So we don't know it's there. And then in yoga nidra, we go into the unconscious mind 
and we uncolor those deep colorings that are called samskaras, all impressions, all uh, thought patterns, all karmic patterns, all uh, colored, colored uh, impressions that are stored and they're waiting to wake up. They're waiting to uh, ask for attention. <laughs> yeah, so that's what Yoga Nidra does for us. It helps us. It's a great tool uh, that comes from uh, Himalayan masters. Well, at least what I know. They're probably, these are techniques that probably come from all yoga masters because all Yoga Nidra is pretty much the same just maybe focusing on different body parts, different points, different visualizations, but it's all the same uh, technique to get into the unconscious mind. And then we become more and more free with every time we practice regularly, every week, mm. at least once a week, it's gonna shift a lot of unconscious patterns that's what I still uh, wanted to say about yoga nidra is that if we practice it regularly, uh, after a while, we notice suddenly that we behave totally different. Not as I would behave before, or I react differently to the same thing. Like what would happen three months ago would really make me upset and angry and destabilize me and then after three months of the regular practice of yoga nidra the same event just doesn't even touch me like, like it just goes away and, and i noticed it many times in my life and i practiced in groups and people were also telling stories like suddenly they notice they walk in the street and they're not afraid of the dog you know, while they used to be afraid all their lives. Uh, so such uh, changes uh, definitely will happen. It's like mm -hmm. what I notice when uh, there are periods that I start really getting inspired to practice regularly and there are periods when I forget about yoga nidra and I don't practice for like six months. Or maybe I practice very short 25 minutes in a few months because I think, well, I already spent all my day contemplating, <laughs> having awareness of everything, you know, and I think, okay, well, yoga nidra can wait, but, uh, well, that's all like mind tricks probably that I also should be aware of and just break the habit. Mm -hmm. How difficult it is to break the habit we know right? mm -hmm. yes 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 definitely we have to jungle to kind of fit everything we want to do in one day you know that's why working on our food um, addiction is helping a lot then we can kind of reintroduce a lot of good thing and then i think it's easier to kind of maintain but but i did experiment experience that with the I think it's a difference of brain waves, though I'm not sure I could identify which brain wave state it puts you in. Uh, but there's probably a difference, and 
you would also need discernment with who you practice yoga nidra with because you don't want to fall into these states with people who you are not safe with which is also something you bring uh, you know it's very nice to practice with you uh, because I don't have to you know be on guard or so that's very that's a very nice and I was quickly uh, in, in a deep uh, in a deep state that I kind of returned just at the end of the practice right exactly exactly and of course like my uh, my energy I feel is like very straightforward uh, you don't have to search for hidden rocks, underwater stones, you know, uh, but uh, not every teacher is like that. And if they are ruled by the darker forces or the mix of different forces, then when you go into such a subtle, subtle world, it's a world that's very subtle reality. And it's very powerful place because the subtler, the more powerful. You don't want teacher you don't trust because even if the teacher doesn't do anything consciously to harm you, the forces through the teacher can do it. And the teacher is just used as we already talked many times about it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Things in your mind. Mm -hmm. The teacher uh, is, needs to be a strong person who can resist all the kinds of influence. And that's... Uh, when the teacher has sharp discernment and ability to resist, no matter how manipulated the reality is getting manipulated around you, that you don't let them to manipulate you in any way. Like, of course, whenever we do any unconscious practices, even psychology needs to be really sharp discernment with whom we do it. Mm -hmm. yeah very 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 important and um could you could you 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 explain to me that one day but could you explain it again how you know when uh, certain people have um certain configuration of of planets and luminaries in their charts it can kind of can help them to build a stronger deeper relationships uh, we, we talked about it for our planets, we, you know, or because we have touching points, you explained that. So could you, could you, could you explain that once more? Yes, of course. So, uh, <clears throat> well, there are uh, special ways in astrology to see how two energies of two people are going to interact with each other. And uh, when... Uh, there are planets that are friends with each other. There are planets that are enemies with each other. And there are neutral planets. Also, uh, they may be not be enemies, but uh, planets are very much like people. And imagine house is like a room. And if you put two people in one room, they may be enemies to each other. Or one of them may be hostile to one to the other but the other is friendly to him you know or they are both good friends then their strength is enhanced or they are just at their own house and alone then you feel just comfortable 
when planet is exalted, it's in in a best friend's house, which is even better than being in your own house because your best friend can bring out things in, in you that you yourself don't reach. Like when I talk with you, you bring out the best in me, which without you never comes out, you know? So that's like when planets are delighted with each other. So I have Saturn in Libra, you have Venus and Mercury. They're all like Venus, your Venus is very strong in Libra. It's in its own house, in a strong position and Mercury is there, who is her best friend. They are delighted with each other. Venus delights Mercury, Mercury delights Venus. Saturn is the best friend of Venus. Venus is friends to Saturn. So you bring out my delight out of me, I bring out delight out of you. And you know, and it's just the best actually we can wish for. So, uh, but you know, of course, you need also the sun and the moon to be in connection. Because uh, the sun is our soul, the moon is our mind. So either the sun should be looking at the sun of the other person, or the moon at the sun, or the moon at the moon. And uh, then you have really that soul connection. There are relationships when people have a lot of planets interacting, but no sun and no moon. And it may be a very heavy karma that grabs them It may be destructive relationship and they feel so pulled to it. Like, I cannot live one day without this person, but especially it concerns romantic relationship. But if I look at their birth charts and I see you don't have your son interacting with his moon or the other way around or moon with the moon or sun with the sun, it tells me this connection is just karma. You know, and we want connections when it's our personal relationship, when connection is deeper than that. Also, Kato on the sun and Kato on the moon gives psychic connection, possibly from past lives to the people. If the person has the moon, which is very soft planet, the other person has this, the same sign, the Saturn, which is a pressure, then maybe recognition of dealing with each other that they feel interested, but Saturn is gonna put pressure on the moon. And the, other, the person who has the moon in the same sign or under aspect of the other person's Saturn, he's gonna feel always like uh, under pressure, under certain pressure. If other person's Saturn is looking at the other person's sun, sun is the soul, the light we're able to shine, and Saturn is that pressure block, it blocks it, 
key, shuts it down, like don't shine, you know? Uh, sun is self-confidence, our inspiration that comes from the soul. If Saturn looks at the sun of the other person, it's like shuts it down. Like I know two people who have a relationship and the girl is always inspired and like, oh, listen to this, listen to this. And the guy always responds like, oh, just turn it off, you know, like shuts down. And, and she's like, oh, you know, okay. I have no one to share my inspiration with. And she starts doubting that who she even is, is being liked by this person. So I wouldn't uh, enter relationships if the person's Saturn is looking at my son, if the person's uh, Saturn is looking at my moon. Uh, well, it can work, it can work. There are so many, many factors, but in general, right? You know, one uh, uh, clairvoyant psychic I worked with, she told me, when you're gonna have your relationship, I, I want to warn you that it's totally not gonna <laughs> work with your astrology. It's gonna be totally opposite than what your astrology is. And that just tells us that it can work, yeah? It's nothing like, it's just awareness. What do we choose? How much work do we choose to be doing every day? Huh? It can work effortlessly like with us, or it can be a lot of work every day to just get to just normal situation, not even inspired situation, but just normal. And do we want to be doing it with someone all, you know, all the time? Uh, as if life is not hard enough already. Yeah, it's then about where do we focus our energy? Because all of us have good in our life and we have more complex things going on. But I noticed that focusing in nourish, like, um, like really focusing and getting deeper with the good is bringing more goodness, right? So uh, we have power in that. And, and all spirited beings have already connected with other fire creation beings or, uh, you know, we have crossed paths with each other so we can really remember and um, look back into who we've met who really felt like there was a real connection there and like, uh, you know, it, it was real, what was happening was, was real. Um, and I see, I see, I see how it has um, influenced my life positively. So I think this, uh, what you brought brought up was kind of uh, bringing this to my mind. Yeah, and uh, you have a moon in Virgo, just to give us a concrete example. I have sun in Virgo, so that's how I know this is a real connection of soul and the mind. And it's not uh, like some people have like planets in the same signs like five planets in the same signs on top of each other so they get really triggered to interact with each other like it's very karmic big big hook like it doesn't let you go but no sun and moon and they don't feel like they can relax with their soul with this person 
they don't feel like they even understand the mind of the other person. It's like, what are you even doing with the person? Totally karmic, totally karmic hook, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Very interesting. Very interesting to kind of uh, bring more awareness to what fulfills us in our relationships and what doesn't and um mm -hmm. there is a lot we can we can do with that yeah imagine working hard every day is what fulfills me and then i may consciously choose hard relationship because you know i feel the best comes out of me when i work hard on relationships right if you're a conscious worker like like you know i see it like a wave that hits the rock and all its beauty comes out because of an obstacle. If the rock is not there, we don't see the beauty of the water. So for some people, you know, it may be conscious choice. I may know this is going to be really hard work and I may still go into that relationship because, you know, I want to see what comes out of me. Like, but if we do it consciously, if we choose it consciously, we know what we chose, you know? And if we choose it unconsciously and we don't know what's going on, why is it so difficult? It's really draining us. Because if you choose it consciously, it's not going to drain. You're going to think, okay, I made this choice. It turned out it's not working. Okay, now I know. And next time I will choose something different. You know? At least you can uh, deal with it. And if you don't know what's going on, you don't know how to deal with it, right? Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i think it's a matter of time because all of us have, have more complex maybe more triggering relationships but it's not always relationships that we want to walk away from so we kind of work with it work with the triggers sometimes we some and your explanation about everybody's chart this does bring a lot of clarity about that but sometimes our pattern can just trigger the other person but there is no intent exactly. you know uh, it can certainly be used but it it can also be worked through if there is a will and a kind of pure intent on both sides and it can then with other people who are less aware maybe it's gonna be more challenging and i feel usually I kind of have to grow distance though I'm like distantly in contact with them. Um, so, but sometimes very unaware pattern makes it difficult to even spend just one hour, two hours with someone because of like everything that is in the way really in terms of also control of the mind and things they, they, they just are busy with you know with their mind yes thank you that's exactly a great uh, addition to what i said if the person is aware and you are aware you can work it all out but if one of the people is just refusing to be aware they're just so wounded they can only either attack or defend you know they don't hear you, they just get offended or they start telling you, yeah, look at yourself, you know? It's really, to me, it's really childish way of 
of dealing with issues, but I had such a relationship, very short one, few weeks where I would say something like uh, to the guy that what you did is not working for me. And he said, well, look at yourself in the mirror. And I'm like, okay, what are you trying to reach by that? You didn't hear me and you are already attacking me and defending yourself, you know? So I knew already from first conflict that it's not gonna work for me. Mm -hmm. yeah reveals the level of the person right because because all of us had to deal with also complex romantic uh, relationships and maybe bad pairing or just uh, a lot of harvesting also a lot of triggering being done you know just to kind of um, cycle and vortex into just a uh, a lack of fulfillment, a lack of happiness, just um, distracting us also maybe from the work that we are doing, it can be extremely distracting. So do you, do you want to share anything about these complex, maybe more romantic relationships? Yeah, they, uh, they can be sent to us because of some need that we really, really need and cannot fulfill. And then a lot of our energy is drained into the relationship that is not bringing us a fulfillment, actually. But it seems like it can, and it should, but it's not happening, you know? And then it's like catching us on a karmic hook, but then we still don't get what we need. And we keep getting involved and wasting all our energy on useless arguments, like arguing about either Vedic astrology exists or not, you know? <laughs> and it's like total, total waste of my time, you know? But uh, even it got me for a few weeks, you know, that relationship I got involved and I didn't see it right away. But, you know, I think the point is that not to spend too much time on that, but like use uh, like few days or few weeks just ask the person all the questions right away that you find important and you see how they respond. You don't have to waste more than three days, actually, you know? Mm. Well, ideally speaking, of course, sometimes we, we are interested to, uh, to work with the difficulties. I know myself, I like working through difficult relationships, you know? <laughs> And I, I wonder if I should uh, let that karma go or is it my mission to keep doing it? You know, I sometimes I don't even know. So it's not easy. It's not easy. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, then, yeah, then I think it, what you mentioned here also is bringing us to like the, the savior complex implant maybe sometimes the crucifixion and maybe also victimhood consciousness because um, some will choose to stay in victimhood and it's very hard i mean in a way yeah it's very complex how it works with their mind but um, things happen with the mind around 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 that um, 
So I think it's a pattern to really pay attention to this activation, this trigger of um, every day we are actually triggered into many different, the body's getting triggered. Um, and I, I guess it's the same way. So is the relationship kind of built on dopamine circuit and uh, roller coaster or or is there a more solid ground is there probably values you know like um, mm -hmm. and, a, and a sense of safety I think finding a set of a sense of safety whether it's in friendships and relation like a romantic relationship is very important um, and you can you can maybe scan if someone is um, feel safe to you or, or not if they constantly abuse your boundaries if they constantly create toxic triangulations where your feelings get hurt and you get psychologically tortured it's probably not someone who can be considered as safe yes exactly yes uh, this is uh, very important to be able to trust that the person is, uh, is there to be trusted, that you can relax, you can have some stability. I wouldn't recommend a woman to be with a man who is not safe and doesn't know what he wants. He wants you one day, next day he behaves like he doesn't want you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah they, they, these relationship where the the energy flip as soon as you engage in the next step are this is also a red flag that you have someone really unstable mentally and maybe other forces are working through them you know engineering also their behavior so this is a red flag too yeah yeah i would look at the mercury of the person if he is able to have the discernment that I need him to have to go through all the issues. If person's mercury is weak or afflicted, it's just, for me, it's no hope, no hope. It's not gonna work. So it's important to know, yeah? Like, you are about sharp discernment. It means do not choose partner who has no discernment. That's just not gonna work. And if you don't care for disarmament, sure, then it will work. Go. Uh, so knowing our values, which is also Taurus, by the way, Taurus is about our values, values that we surround ourselves with. And knowing this is a value that I want to keep, and this is no, there is no way I want to compromise with this, it just helps us to know right away, which is Mercury then, who is the one who can learn quickly. Okay, this is my value. He can discriminate and think, and uh, this is the value. This person doesn't have this value, uh, so it's not gonna work, you know? And for good Mercury, it can be clear right away if we have the help of astrology or other techniques, not only astrology can give us the insights, of course, 
we can be detective in through different ways. Sometimes I don't even use astrology. I just ask two, three questions and they reveal their nature. 